0: While you're getting settled, open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. We're going to camp out there tonight. Aaron, you can sit over with the Elite Forces Community Group. Right Right here, right here. Chris is one of those junior varsity guys. Daydreaming about being on the varsity squad. Uh, Before we get started, uh, how how many of you have ever been personally involved uh, in watching someone come to Christ, not counting your kids, personally involved watching someone come to Christ? Okay. Good. Good. Okay, so all those that you haven't personally, directly been involved in. in leading someone to Christ, uh, let me let me see your hands. Okay, good. Now, out of this group, which one of you would like to read a really good book on evangelism by Jeremiah Bars, and be accountable for it? Hands up, hands up. I got a couple here. Okay, now I got to decide out of these three. All right, so we got Elizabeth, we got Brian, we got Scott. Who else? No, you said you had led someone, been directly involved with someone. Yes. So you're out. All those that haven't, all those that haven't, that really want to read a good book, haven't been directly involved, maybe not from A to Z, but you you know, in that person's testimony, they're saying, yeah, so-and-so God used to bring me to Christ. Okay, all those that have not. All right, good. All right. Now I got to decide, how am I going to do this? If I had the budget, I'd just get everyone. How many of you had read a book before that we gave out on evangelism? I gave some out before. Okay, Brian, you're out then. <laughs> I'll give it to Sue. This is a great book. He takes uh, 16, oh, sorry, Robin, 16 chapters and restricts himself to the four gospels and he literally... We observe Jesus evangelist. He makes the case that Jesus is the greatest evangelism. All sorts of different ways that he did it, and he's still doing it, you know, through us. Uh, so it's a great book. Good, good theology there. I've got a couple of others that are more on the practical side, and you'll find as you read and grow in the discipline of evangelism that, you know, first and foremost, you do need to get your doctrinal foundations laid. Um, and, and and then when you go to do the practicals and the how-tos, we'll get into some of that tonight, uh, it's built upon a strong foundation of God's sovereignty and doctrinal precision on what is our role and what, what kind of weight should we be carrying and not carrying and so forth and so on. So we'll get into a little bit of that tonight. But good to see everybody. Um, we're going to spend tonight in uh, this fourth chapter of Colossians and... Um, not going to watch any weighty movies or anything like that, uh, so more like a regular uh, equipped night. Um, but but I before we read the text and and jump in, I just want to remind you that you know we're parachuting into a book of the Bible that Paul wrote to a church. Paul wrote to this church to equip them for mission. I don't want to lose sight of that. You're going to get some individual equipping on evangelism tonight, but remember that's always in a context of the mission of the church. And so I don't want us to lose sight of that. Uh, the evangelism uh, nuts and bolts that they received were certainly for their own personal edification and equipping, but to further advance the mission of this local church, and by extension, by extension, you know, our church. God wants to strengthen the local church, and this is an area that we believe God wants to strengthen uh, in our church too, and we believe he's doing this. So just remember, you're going to get some personal equipping here tonight, but let's not lose sight of the larger mission of the church, and I'll I'll refer back to that from time to time. Let's read this text. I'm going to read just verses 2 through 6, and then we'll pray and start. Good? Everybody good tonight? All right. Colossians 4, verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I might make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use Of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you want to answer each person. Lord, thank you for this night. Thank you for this equipped series. Lord, we do pray you would do exactly that. Equip us in the nuts and bolts, help us to properly and doctrinally understand our role and the privilege we have to take this great message. To those that 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 uh, we interact with, we're in relationship that we love, family members, neighbors, workmates, and so forth. And so we trust your spirit to do that through this evening, in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, I've got a can of Garrett's popcorn. Anybody ever been downtown Michigan? Michigan Michigan Avenue. Downtown Chicago. If you're downtown Michigan, there might be a Garrett's there, but thank you, Chris. Chris has been there. So I've not been there. I've driven through there one time, but um, apparently, if you're walking at a certain part of Michigan Avenue, a couple blocks away, there will be this popcorn smell that draws you to this place. Uh, Apparently, there is a popcorn place there that popcorn lovers, which I am one, uh, I'm I'm like an addict, I can't just have a modest helping of popcorn. When I buy one, it's like, if you come to my house by Friday, this will probably be gone. Uh, And one of their Google reviews, the person said, people will stand in line forever for this popcorn. But the part I want us to think about tonight is, apparently, when you're you're walking, the aroma of this Garrett's popcorn shop on Michigan Avenue is attractive. It's compelling. It's, let's go see what's going on in there. Let's have some popcorn and eat it. And I want to parallel that with what we're learning to do as a local church in our evangelism tonight, okay? And I'm going to taste that. This has not been tasted yet, but I'm going to taste that at our break and report to you what I think because <laughs> they boast They boast about multiple popcorn flavors. One of them being, um, uh, what's the cheese thing they put on there? Yeah, it's called Chicago. Who said that? Yeah, the Chicago mix. And so it's caramel That's what I got. It's caramel and, uh, what's the cheese one? just caramel and cheese. Caramel cheese popcorn. So when when you first hear that, you're like, caramel and cheese popcorn? So I can't wait to try it. (laughs) But for now, just think about what that kind of a shop does is it attracts people. There's something going on there that interests them. It's compelling so that people a block or two away start thinking about going into there. Well, that's where we can look at this text and, and learn a few things. Uh, we see right away that there's a call here. This is the end of the book. Uh, Paul is calling them to certain things. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Paul is encouraging them to continue what they are already doing. Continue, keep it up, keep up. Praying. Continue steadfastly, he said. Their dedication to prayer was actually a mark of the New Testament church. If you go and read Acts chapter one, way back there when we started, before Pentecost hit, even before the the Holy Spirit came on them and they took their instructions from Jesus and ran with it in Acts 114, it says they were devoted to praying. And that great line in Acts 2.42, after the Spirit of God came on there in the first sermon, and 3,000 got saved, it says, they were devoted to praying. And now Paul is simply saying, continue steadfast in your praying. And that's what Paul, to this church, wants to do with us. And so I've got two really main points, one for this first session, one for the second session. And the first one, I'm calling them uh, mission-critical tasks. As a church, we have two mission critical tasks that we're going to draw. They both begin with the C. One is continue, to continue praying. And the second one is a certain way we're going to conduct ourselves. And Paul here is encouraging us through this local church to continue praying. And just a quick doctrinal reminder: why, why do we need to continue to pray steadfastly for these people that were talking to and involved with and that you hear about people in your community groups are uh, uh, evangelizing and, 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 and having conversations with. Well, doctrinally, we know a few things. and It's always good to remind them. God is the one that saves people. We're privileged to be out and to share the good news that affected us with other people. But God changes the heart. It's such a doctrinal, foundational rock for us to be reminded of. And so, apart from praying, which God uses also, we have the privilege to speak, we have the privilege to pray, uh, God uses us as he saves people. We proclaim, we demonstrate to a lost and dying world, God changes people's hearts through that means. The Holy Spirit must do this crucial work of awakening dead people's hearts, bringing conviction into their of sin into their life, calling them to repentance, and ultimately doing the miraculous work of regeneration. So to that end, we continue steadfastly in prayer. We'll talk about proclamation in our next session, but right now, I want to camp out a little bit on steadfastly continuing in prayer. So I already have an application question. Is there anyone in your mind right now that you've given up on? I have probably a half a dozen that I came under conviction in this study. Have you given up steadfastly praying that God would awaken their hearts, that God would Convict them of their sin. That God would regenerate their If they're leaving, and they're if they're leaving, if they're living and haven't left, if they're living and breathing, we can continue steadfastly in praying for them. Do you have a loved one who is unsaved, and you have stopped praying? Have you lived your life in front of your parents? for years, maybe decades, even sometimes with hostility coming at you about loving the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and living this life out with one another, and you stopped praying for them? Have you given up on anyone? Paul's words, God's words would be to continue steadfastly in prayer. Here's another way to motivate and inspire. Have you ever heard a testimony And I bet if we stopped and did testimonies in this room right now, have you ever heard of a testimony that they don't mention somebody that was praying for them? I know for me, my closest brother got saved first. And for 18 months, him and my parents, who were born again, were praying for Tim. I remember being in college and living my life for the world. And nothing really changed Except after I got saved, I found out they were praying. Then all of a sudden, the same sinful things I was doing, I was coming under conviction. God was using their prayers to cause conviction of sin in my heart, to awaken me to things eventually being regenerated. So he tells us in verse two, continue steadfastly in prayer. Don't give up would be the practical thing. Then he says, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Let's cover thanksgiving first. We of all people should immediately and have no trouble praying with thanksgiving. All we have to do is remind ourselves that if it's an evangelistic arena that we're praying in, God saved us. There was a time that we were not part of God's family God's promises God covenants and now we are a review of your testimony a review of God's activity in our should immediately produce thanksgiving that you then can have a platform while you're praying for others if you need a review the the first blog post uh that we did after the message on prayer was from 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Go back and review that. It's on the website, but here's the text. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So hopefully Thanksgiving's easy, but you might have questions on, what does he mean by being watchful, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Being watchful in it. What do you think God is getting at there? Well, context is always king, right? Good hermeneutics. Context is always king. And I think the rest of uh, verse 3 gives us at least a hint of what being watchful might be all about. Look at verse 3. At the same time... Pray also for us, and then Paul gives a little bit of more uh, content here. Pray also for us that God may open a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. While you're praying, be watchful with thanksgiving, but pray for us. Pray for us how? That God would open up a door. I think the hint here is that watchful calls us to pray, being watchful of everything that God brings in front of us in case the door is opened up by the Lord for us to share the good news of Jesus Christ, either in whole, sometimes in part, depending on the relationship, but being watchful. I think our hint here is that God wants us to pray being watchful, certainly with thanksgiving, but being watchful for opportunities, Not rocket science, he's getting very practical here and we want to get practical too but we continue steadfastly to pray but we do that being watchful. God will create opportunities for us. Are you watching for opportunities? Uh, I'm always reminded when I'm around Robin and Lynn Holton, I think they're a great example of They wake up. I don't know if you do it every day. sure sounds like it. Lord, we we have opportunities today to slow our life down, relate with someone, share the gospel or whatever. That, 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 That I think is a good living illustration of this text. Thank you for your example, Robin. We don't give up praying. We do it watchfully, looking for opportunities because let's face it, Every day, we're going to be interacting with people. But do we have a mindset? Are we positioned? Are we on mission thinking about that person at Circle K that you see all the time? That person at your favorite restaurant? I see these two older guys at the mailbox. I'm embarrassed to say uh, in eight years, I don't know that I've done much more than say hi to them. Am I praying steadfastly? in a watchful way. I think God wants me to raise the bar a little bit. So doors could be opened, just like the Apostle Paul, for the word to go forth, and to go forth clearly is what he gets at. Let me share a story with you that uh, is a fun historical uh, story. Most of you might have heard about Augustine, a fourth century pillar of of our faith. And I didn't know the rest of this story, but apparently he was a a pretty rebellious young man. Of course, young man back then would have been, you know, 12 to 15 years old, not 25 to 35. But uh, his mother, Monica, was a prayer warrior. And she prayed steadfastly. And after a number of years, she went to, her pastor, whoever it was, I forget the name or if it was ever named, and said, I wanna do something, he's rebellious, this is hard to watch, he's ruining his life, he's running after the world, I wanna do something. And she was continued to, she was uh, encouraged to continue to pray steadfastly, she had given up. So she prayed, and as he moved through the educational cycles in that world, He ran uh, into a great orator of that day, whose name just happened to be Ambrose. I'm sure I'm related, but I've never gone on Ancestry.com or anything. But So he goes up to uh, Milan, I think it was, and he just wants to hear this guy. He's a Christian preacher, but he heard about him being this great orator, and he was into uh, oratory skills and all that. So he goes up, sits under the preached word. Eventually, he gets saved, and he writes the confessions and all sorts of stuff that we still use today. But talk about encouragement to continue to pray steadfastly, do it watchfully, do it with thanksgiving. Monica not only got to see her son get saved, but she got to see her grandson get saved. And on the day he was baptized, remembered the instructions she had gotten years ago Earlier. Here's just one sentence from Augustine's Confessions talking about his mother who brought me to birth, both in her flesh, so that I was born into this temporal light, and in her heart, that I might be born into eternal light. Let's pray steadfastly, looking for opportunities, doing it watchfully and with thanksgiving. But you notice, going back to what Paul said, in addition to this encouragement to pray and pray watchfully, he says, at the same time, verse 3 now, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I might make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Well, it's easy to miss this, but Paul was their leader, Paul is asking the church to do this continuing of prayer, continuing steadfastly in prayer, do it watchfully, do it with thanksgiving, so that your leader might have doors that open up that the gospel and the word can go forth. I think a simple application is, are we praying for our leaders? Put on your prayer list your local pastors who... For 22 years have been praying and looking for a door on the east side of this town to open up that the gospel could go forth clearly. For your pastors locally that would love to see a church planted on the southwest side to reach the Hispanic community, that the gospel could go forth and go forth clearly. If you don't know this name, Eric Terbetsky is our regional leader. We're part of uh, about nine churches out west here. We gather for governmental stuff, we gather for fellowship, we gather for mission encouragement, and he helps coordinate resources for church plants, Kyle Holton being one of them. There, there, there's a, there's, uh, how do you say this, these aren't concrete plans, but there's discussions of another church in the town of Orange, there's discussion of a Spanish-speaking church possibly in a growing Hispanic market in Denver. Uh, We've always wondered if we could plant a church in Albuquerque. Pray for our leaders who are trying to find ways to have the gospel go forth clearly. And then finally, at a national level, I don't know if you read any of the Sovereign Grace stuff or the World Missions newsletter, but uh, uh, Mark Prater is our executive leader. He leads a leadership team, and they are now uh, regionally putting together uh, uh, groups of pastors that have a heart to see the gospel go forth. The, the stuff that's going on internationally is just just so fun. Uh, I had a business contact that was working in the Philippines uh, from home uh, doing her job for her American company, and I said, hey, what City are you in? And she named the city. And I went on the Salmon Grace Church's site because we've adopted and are now fellowshipping with about 20-some Philippine churches. And I just cut and pasted the list. Here's all the cities that we've got. Friends, go check it out. That the gospel, the word could go forth clearly. So pray for your local pastors. Pray for Eric Trebesky. Pray for Mark. And then as you get involved and, and read about some of this international stuff, Dave Taylor in Australia. There's a group meeting next week. Wait, next week or the following week. That is is a Central and South America mission group of some of our pastors um, and so forth. So we can be praying honor the God, honor God with this scripture uh, by continuing and never giving up about church plants, about regional stuff, about national stuff. So pretty simple. Um, this first part, uh, I think, is pretty self explanatory. I just want to end this first session with Have you given up? Did somebody come to mind when um, I mentioned that earlier? Have you given up praying for someone? Let me encourage you to re engage steadfastly in prayer with the Lord over those lost souls. And then the easy one is, do you pray for your leaders? Have you find, found times, found ways to include that in your prayer life? So pretty simple there. Just a reminder that we're, we're the church. We are on mission. I, I love, I think it's the one of the Denver churches, their community group, little mission statement is, building community while on mission. I love that. Building community while on mission. That has the feel of an aroma to me. That's what we're doing. We're part of the local church, and we, in our mission statement, primarily proclaim and demonstrate the gospel. We want that to be our aroma. And so we can grow in being more steadfast, not giving up, um, and praying for our leaders. So we're gonna take a break now. I got a, a lo- longer session when we come back and I wanna allow some room at the very end to uh, to discuss. So let's take a quick break and then I will call you back. Uh, they are making some popcorn in the lobby and hopefully when they open the doors, the aroma. Uh, no, when we come back, I'm gonna eat some of this right in front of you. Uh, so get yourself some water and some popcorn and uh, We'll we'll resume. You're not only gonna hear about the parallel of an aroma of popcorn, we're gonna taste it